you, everybody. All right, here we are, another episode of On the D-Lo, and um, I am excited because I get to interview a young man. I get to call you a young man. <laughs> Hello, Adam. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I just saw you an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did see you an hour ago. That was that felt that felt feels like a week ago already. It, it does. Yeah, you do a lot of stuff in your day. Yeah, you're yeah. busy. A busy young man. My calendar looks like a bowl of fruity pebbles. Yeah. Yes, it does. And what shorts are you wearing today? Um, crab shorts. Crab, crab shorts. shorts. That's good. That's good. Ad, Adam, Highly recommended. He bought me a pair of bonobos. Is yes. that how you say it? Yep. Yeah. I got T Rexes surfing, <laughs> and Adam has crabs. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a bunch of stuff here, but I want to start with uh, your short life to to date. Like, what, what was your upbringing? Where where did where did you come from? And and you know, how were your parents with you? And and what's that relationship like? Yeah, so uh, was born and raised in New York City, and in Queens specifically. Um, both parents are immigrants. Dad is from Iraq. Mom is from Israel. Um, very very. Um, very calm, relaxed, really had no issues at all with, with childhood, had two of the best parents somebody could ever ask for, um, but but a very kind of strict and hard uh, mom, as any Israeli mom would be, in, mm-hmm. especially in New York City. So uh, got, in, got instilled with a very competitive, tough gene very early on. So um, started building and selling stuff on the web when I was about six or seven years old. Started with like the, these little Thomas the Train tchotchkes that were wood, yeah. and then uh, they stopped making wood ones, and then they started making uh, plastic ones only. And so the wood ones became this very rare commodity. And so that, that was kind of the, the gateway to me, like doing a lot of entrepreneurial activity. Um, and then while I was in high school, um, I helped build one of the biggest retail pharmacies in Manhattan. So grew the over-the-counter section uh, from about, I mean, minimal minimal revenue to thousands of SKUs and millions of dollars in about two and a half years. Um, got into food and beverage through a funny set of circumstances. I got a tour of one of the first ever cloud kitchens by Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber in, in Manhattan one day. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, just did a. I mean, did a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, those are the highlights. All right, let, let's pause. Okay, you're six years old. You're selling trains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're six year old, and and you know how to use a computer already. Um, I started. I, yeah, I started to. What started. was your first computer? Um, it actually wasn't a computer. Well, actually, no, it was. It was a Lenovo. Uh, it was a black Lenovo, and um, started playing a lot of Minecraft on it, as most people in tech. Okay. Tend to do. And what, was your childhood mainly computer stuff, or were you out playing in New York City with? Um, so, <laughs> so a little bit of a mix. Um, was very, very into sports. So played sports very competitively. A lot of baseball and tennis. So I played tennis at the USTA. I uh, was always playing baseball two to three years above my age, very competitively. Um, and then I kind of, you know, on the weekends I would start selling a lot of stuff on eBay with my friends. I'd go to like a lot of little garage sales in my neighborhood with my friends. And then the way I got into tech officially was somewhat illegal. So um, I was in private school most of my life. And then I got sick and tired of private school the last two years of high school. So then my parents allowed me to leave and go to one of these giant public uh, public high schools in New York City. Yeah. And so when I got there, I already had enough credits. I think it was junior year to just already, already graduate. But the DOE over there requires you to be in class for, I think, six or seven hours a day. So you can't, you can't just, like, skip class. Hmm. So one of my attendance periods, uh, a teacher came up to me and she was like, hey, you know, I have, uh, I need, I need to help, I, I need help printing something off of Microsoft Word. And so I was like, mm, that's a, that's a little weird. So then went over and on her computer screen was not Word. It was the New York City attendance database. And so my friend and I wrote a script that would pre-mark ourselves present for class every 30 days in advance. And that was how I, I, 
got into tech and skipped class. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and how did you know to write a script? Like you just kind of figured this shit out? YouTube. YouTube. Oh, good old YouTube. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, okay, I'm. I, I mean, if you're listening to this, this is like this is this is real shit going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, I'm so enamored with your with your upbringing and just the stuff that you're able to do. Did your parents ever know that you hacked into the? Uh, my mom. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in private school, I was very bored. So yeah. what I reverted to is instead of studying, I became a, a troublemaker in class. So I had like my own dedicated desk in the principal's office, Miss Hiltzik's office. I had my little desk with my yeah, donuts it's and my always you. Yeah. Yep. And so um, my mom always knew that school was probably not going to be, you know, my mom really wanted me to have, you know, a very good education. That's why she sent me to this very crazy private school. But then once she was like, oh, like he's not going to go do the Harvard-Stanford route, she kind of like was like, all right, let's see what he does. Yeah. And so she, once she found out after the fact, for sure, uh, she wasn't surprised. She wasn't too mad. But, you know, I, I, full credit to my parents because they just let me run wild. Yeah. Um, but with very specific limits. Um, so it was very always like achievement and moral based. You know, are you are you not do are you doing stuff that's ethical and moral? That's also, um, you know, moving yourself and the world around you forward in, in a meaningful way. I like that. That's cool. And you have a you have a sister? Nope. Single child. Oh, you're a single child. Only yep. child. Very cool. Um, and then let's go back to the, the pharmacy because I think that's pretty phenomenal too. Like I, I know that you're used to telling this story a lot because you've been interviewed quite a bit, but I like, I like to kind of dig deeper than just kind of, you know, hey, did an online pharmacy. Like what, like how did they find you and why you and, you know, what, what did you get out of doing that? Yeah. So I think, um, I think one of the, the traits that has served me very well so far, but I just turned 20, so I haven't had a lot of experience so far, yeah. but, but um, is, is inquisitiveness and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I left uh, private school, my mom was like, all right, like if you're not going to go do the whole uh, you know, corporate, uh, go to a big school you know, path, that kind of stuff, because my mom was a VP at Viacom, so she was the typical New York, like go to Times Square, 43rd floor, skyscraper, like that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, she was like, well, you need to go get some dirt under your nails, and you can't just keep selling stuff on eBay. And so there was this little independent pharmacy that had just opened, I mean, maybe a 10-minute walk from where I lived in Queens. And so I just walked over. I walked in. And I, I, I went up to one of the owners. I was like, yeah, like my mom told me I have to like start doing something, like get a job, whatever that means. Yeah. And so they were like, hmm. And so they gave me what's called a price gun. And they were like, hey, like here's a box of Tylenol or whatever they gave me and like make it say $6.99 and price it. And I did it. And they're like, all right, you got the job. And then at the same time, um, I, when I was a kid, I'd used to, I used to run around the Nickelodeon offices a lot. And I became really close friends with a guy called Brandon Grabowski. Uh, just because I really liked his last name, Grabowski. It was a cool name. Nah. And so he ended up leaving Nickelodeon, becoming a, a director of digital marketing at Calvin Klein. And so for six months, I was just kind of having coffee with him, shadowing him, learning from him, talking to him, asking him a lot of questions, um, really as it relates to this herbal supplement that I started. Um, and so I picked up a lot of digital marketing skills, and then I saw that a lot of the over-the-counter items in the pharmacy were 30 to 70% cheaper than all of the other chain stores <laughs> locally. And so I was like, I went behind the owner's backs, and Eldon and Alan, they're, they're two brothers, really, really amazing, amazing guys, early 30s. And um, I, I created all these Google and Facebook ads basically saying, hey, like a, like a side-by-side of like, hey, Town Pharmacy, that was the name of the pharmacy, Town Pharmacy's Tylenol compared to like CVS or Walgreens' pharma- Tylenol. And, and uh, you know, you know we, were, we had an 100 count of extra strength Tylenol that was $11.99, and they had one that was like $18.99. And we did that for like six or seven different SKUs, and then over the next couple of weeks, it just blew up. And oh, we had like wow. tons of patients coming in. And... Um, and then from there, what ended up happening was I just got the reins to run the entire front store. Really? Yeah. And then did you just get sick of that, and they, or did you get fired? 
No, I, I graduated high school. On <laughs> 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 the other things. <laughs> I, I did almost get fired many times because I'm very I'm a very competitive hothead, but but credit to to Eldon for for dealing with me. Yeah. Okay. Um let's I wanna get I want people to hear the story about um is it Travis from Uber, is that the guy's name? Yep. Yeah. And you doing ghost kitchens with him. So explain that because so, that's where Sinatra came from. So I I, I I wasn't doing ghost kitchens with Travis, but I got into ghost kitchens because of Travis. Yeah. And and so while I was at Calvin, one day I was walking around the city trying to find some lunch, and there was this big empty mall outside with a little uh, like a little restaurant sign outside, outside of it that said uh, Cloud Kitchen Tour Now. I was like, what the hell is this? And so I walk in, and I see all these conveyor belts and these robotic arms, all this stuff. And so I was like, wow, this is so cool. And so this guy who was super confident in a suit gave me a tour. I don't know. I was barely 15 years old at the time. And he gave me this tour. And, um, <laughs> and so after maybe, I'm going to say three and a half or four months, like spring of 2019, uh, he gives a, I guess there was an op-ed written in the Wall Street Journal about cloud kitchens and what they were doing and how they wanted to kind of like eliminate cooking altogether and mm-hmm. make it cheaper uh, to eat food outside than to go to the grocery store and cook it yourself. And then there was like a little image of him in the journal. And I was like, oh my God, that's Travis Kalanick, the guy that started Uber. I was like, holy crap, I didn't know that was him. Yeah. So then I, I uh, a bunch of other cool stuff happened as it relates to like connections and groups I got into in the Bay Area. And then uh, COVID hit, graduated high school the year early. And then I was like, okay, I want to go, I want to get in tech. I want to get into food and beverage, uh, like what Travis was doing. I want to start my own ghost kitchen. I was like, I'm going to build the Amazon of like restaurants, online restaurants. Like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build like the online McDonald's. Yeah. And I was just so convinced I was going to do it. And so I moved, I moved to Phoenix, picked Phoenix because it was very close to the Bay area, but also big food and beverage, like hospitality hotspot. Okay. And so moved here, um, met Brian, my co-founder, who's a amazing, brilliant, uh, hospitality background. Yeah. Um, that really kind of complements like my product and technical background. And, uh, we went to Gilbert, we started ghost kitchen. And what we did was we, uh, we, we had, we hired a bunch of culinary guys from, from a lot of the best, uh, like restaurants or hotels or country clubs locally. And then we took over this massive parking lot and allowed for families to pre-order dinner, uh, and then come pick it up at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah. And so we had like, we had, I think I want to say nine or 10 pickup lanes. Uh, and then during peak hours, it'd be like five to seven cars in each lane <clears throat> and only one exit point. Uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> and so there was just this massive bottleneck of traffic. Yeah. And then the city, <clears throat> the city of Gilbert was like, hey, you know, this isn't exactly going to work. Uh, and so Brian and I were like, oh, man. And the owner of the parking lot was like, hey, man, like, this isn't going to work. And so Brian and I were like, okay, <laughs> we got to shut this down. And then we started thinking of, like, you know, how can we use software to make the lines go faster? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that was kind of what led to Sinatra. It led to Sinatra. Okay. And we'll get into that. So you, you just packed your bags and came to Phoenix on your own. What, I mean, so I was originally going to come out here on my own regardless. Okay. And then my parents decided to retire as well in New York. And yeah. they didn't want to stay in the city. Uh, and Arizona is obviously a great like retirement spot. So your parents are out here now? Yep. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And so growing up, we did a lot of traveling abroad. So yeah. like a lot in Europe and that kind of stuff. So every summer, um, once I was done with school, I'd go to like baseball camp, do a lot of tournaments, either baseball or tennis. Then I'd go to summer camp. And then after in August, we'd go for like three or four weeks to like a couple of different places in Europe. Yeah. And so they did a lot of travel abroad, a lot of living abroad. But not a lot of traveling in the country. So, that, you know, my mom, for example, like she just loves to hike. Uh, and so she'll go to, like, national parks and hike and do all that kind of stuff. So yeah. they're based in Arizona, but they do a lot of, like, in 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 America traveling. You, your parents retired relatively early then. Uh, well, I have I have actually pretty old parents, which I think makes a lot of sense for okay. for the the maturity, if yeah, you will. Yeah, right. Um, so my mom's in her mid-50s, but my dad is 81. 
Oh, okay. A um, split. <laughs> I mean, you say mid fifties, I'm like, shit, dude, I'm gonna be fifty next year. But then <laughs> well, you my, say eighty. My yeah. mom, yeah, I, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a big, there's a big split. But for as a general rule, I for most people, or at least most of the friends yeah. that I grew up with, they they had younger parents where both of them were like at this age, right? You know, in their you know forties and fifties. Very different story for me. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a, it's such an interesting story. So, do you feel like your drive comes from your mom or from your dad or? From oh, both? I think uh, I think I I get the the gift of gab and the little the, the little that I can charm people from my dad. My yeah. dad is probably the most charming person I've ever seen okay. like, on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, and then my mom definitely like the competitive fire, the like dot 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 dot, like the kind of the militant side of me. Definitely from my mom. It's like very typical, like Israeli mom coming mm-hmm. from New York City. For 30 years, it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, it probably takes you a while to, I mean... To, to really like vet people, um, you because I, I, you're an analyzer. Like when I first met you, it was like it was like R two D two, you know, kind of reading through like who is this guy, this and that. And then once you break through that, um, you know, that characteristic of a screen, it's all of a sudden it's like okay, it's game on. It's right. Like you have the you have the keys of the car now. Right. And, and I think that's a good quality because you you're not um, you're not entrusting or should I say you're not naive to you know a lot of bullshit or like you know and especially at you know having I, I hate bringing age up. It is what it is, but it's just, it's a matter of experience, you yeah. know, life experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, before we get into Sinatra, let's talk about JamPad because oh, sure. that's something that was put together. And let's talk about tech in Arizona and what, um, you know, what, what does tech in Arizona look like right now? Yeah. So when I moved here, the, the two cohorts of people in terms of like network and, and who I knew that I got tapped into were, um, Primarily, a lot of the hospitality players locally in town, mm-hmm. um, and and then primarily a lot of the um, like San Francisco Bay Area people, yeah, people in tech and Silicon Valley and that kind of stuff. But not a lot of like local connectivity to the tech scene really at all. And so a year ago, when we needed to start hiring engineers, I was like, hey, like ASU has all these different engineers. I want to hire locals. So like let, let's let's go and try and poach those talent pipelines. And so when I started doing that, that was when I started to have touch points with the local ecosystem. And let's just say I wasn't very impressed. Yeah. Um, and and then what I what I had learned is full circle back to Travis. Before he started Uber, he turned his apartment in San Francisco into something called Jampad. And he mm. turned into like this hacker house where engineers could come, they could write software, they could launch products. And I, I mean, like excluding Uber today, I mean, billions of dollars of companies wow. uh, have come out of that apartment. And so so that was that was a big inspiration there. And so I, I'd always kind of like kept that in the back of my pocket. I was like, man, like, I, you know, I'm young. I want to have some fun. Like, maybe I'll do that when I go to Phoenix. And so then I started Jampad. Originally, it's just a talent pipeline for Sinatra. So we throw hackathons, issue job offers, yeah. things like that. And then a lot of my friends um, that were, you know, affiliated with a lot of the big accelerators and fellowships in the Bay Area were like, hey, man, like, you should maybe start something that's very, you know, official like that, but for Phoenix. Uh, and so I was like, all right, let's do it. So then it's been around formally for about a year. Uh, we've had about 3,000 people apply. Um, it's, it's like this very exclusive like, fellowship style. Um, we've only let in about 10 people, founders of the group. Most of them, if not close to all of them, have product revenue, customers in market, and everybody's raised cumulatively in Jampad about uh, just under $20 million. That's that's an amazing story, and that's really cool, and it, and it really puts Arizona even more on the map, you know, in 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 an area where there's just a, a lot of money and a lot of need, and you know, we hear a lot of talk about AI in this day and age, and you know, 
I don't think most people that don't know anything about it know anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Like they have this preconceived notion. And here you are, a younger man that still likes to go out and play tennis and hike, and you're going to push tires after this. And, you know, you're still, and, and, you know, you like to take your girl on a date in a factual physical place. And so, yeah. I, you know, wouldn't you say that there's almost like this doom and gloom picture being painted out there of like, um, of what technology is and, and, and what it can do? Well, I, I think absolutely. And I think that that's kind of a, like a little bit of a seed as to what the rest of the world tries to do to people in general. You know, there's this, mm. there's this famous clip by, by Steve Jobs, I mean, in the 80s or 90s, maybe even earlier, by the Silicon Valley, I think, Historical Association. It was like, a, it's a minute long. <laughs> and he talks about, I think, it's, I think it's dogma. And he says that, you know, the world is like this, it's like a box, and it has four walls. And the world tells you to not try and bash into those four walls or cause too much of a ruckus, yeah. right? But the reality is, and, and kind of the awakening to like a higher state of consciousness is, you know, when you start to realize that, uh, you know, everything that was built that's around you was built by people no smarter than you. And then when you start to kind of figure that out, you can start to tap into, into other intellectual quantitative and qualitative superpowers. And so I think technology is what enables a lot of that. Uh, and I think that's very fearful to people. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of the, you know, fear mongering and, you know, painting a great picture because people are very unsure um, and, and, and stepping into the unknown and, and bashing into those four walls of dogma is a foreign concept to a lot of people. Dude, who the fuck are you? <laughs> wow. Wow. I just, this is, this is amazing. All right. So, <laughs> well, and, and I'm a firm believer that technology had existed way even before our time. So we totally. can get, we can get into, <laughs> right. I mean, well, Diddy can't hear that, but we can, but it's, you know, space aliens and in whatever else you look at the pyramids, you look at how all this shit was developed and it's like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, totally. Yeah, that's another rabbit hole. So I want to talk about Sinatra. Sinatra is something, you know, um, you know, transparently so everybody knows I'm a part of, uh, you know, helping with this company and, and, and Adam and his partner, Brian, who have been so gracious to, I guess you found me, what, over a year ago? Uh, yeah, I, I think longer. so. I think so. About a... I think about 14 months ago. Yeah, exactly. 14 months ago. I remember going up to um, near ASU yeah. in that room or whatever, and you yeah. guys were working on the spill the protocols yeah. and all that other stuff. And you still have those same guys coding, right? Yep. Yeah. Same engineering team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Great, really great, cool. great dudes. I'd love to see them drunk sometime. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but that being said, um, so, you know, Sinatra is dear to my heart because I'm obviously in hospitality and, and I've been working. In, in this business for two decades. And, you know, no bullshit, Adam. I, I, and I've told you this. I, I was sitting down with pen and paper, you know, over 15 years ago, just like Brian was, thinking, right. wow, this would be great if, you know, there was a better way, from my perspective, to do, you know, claims management, documentation, all this stuff that could be done on a phone, you know, online and stored somewhere. And when I walk in all these restaurants, you just see binders of just shit all over the place. And then the, they got to go train somebody else. And there's no procedure, no protocol. I mean, even within my own business, there's no, you know, policies and procedures in the fact that, okay, this is how you do it. And this is how you do it every time. And then when it comes into insurance and it comes to the um, aspect of collecting data in real time and saving it for a later sort of need, none of that's going on. So you guys had approached me and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. This is like, when you um, when you meditate on something and it may not happen like the next day, you're like, hey, I'm going to do this and that. It's now happening 15 years later, which is cool, you know. So, 
you got together with Brian. You guys started, you know, putting this thing together. So explain to everybody um, the importance of Sinatra and, you know, the aspects of, of the things that it does above and beyond, like, the insurance aspect, because that's boring. But Yeah, so um, Sinatra, long-term, we want to be kind of the, the ground-zero infrastructure for what's going to run the front and back of house of any kind of location in hospitality. So think, uh, you know, anything from, anything from, you know, servers and training and insurance and liquor inventory, all that kind of stuff, you know, for restaurants, bars, country clubs, hotels, we want to be that layer zero infrastructure of technology. And kind of our thesis on, on the market is, you know, it's funny, we were just talking to somebody about this, uh, a restaurateur actually, uh, you know, it's funny, he, he was hearing about Sinatra for the first time and he reached out to chat and he was like, man, it, it's finally that someone's building something for us. Yeah. And, you know, you have an industry that, you know, is one of the biggest in the world and you have companies that are building, you know, really the three same kinds of software and hardware for that matter, point of sale systems, table management systems, and online ordering systems. You know, a lot of that is forward facing, front of house facing, customer facing. Um, but the back of house is as, as a, you know, people say that the culinary teams and hospitality is kind of like the lost forgotten stepchild. Yeah. The entire back of house in, in the technology world as it relates to hospitality is the forgotten stepchild. And so, kind of what we're landing in market with is digitizing training for a lot of the new staff members and new hires and providing continuous training for these people. Um, and then, and then what we're going to start to do is, is expand into the insurance world. Yeah, that's, it's so cool. And, and where, where are we at right now? As far as like, if you had to say, you know, one through 10 in developmental phase, I mean, okay, first of all, it's on the, uh, it's on the Apple store, which that's not a small fee, right? Um, well, I mean, from a technical standpoint, uh, no, it's yeah. not. You're not just creating an app. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, it's 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 somewhat difficult from a from a technical standpoint. I, I mean, as an engineer, it's like, oh yeah, it's just an app. But like to, to a restaurant guy, like when they see that, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah it's 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 big real. leap from a, an old binder. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, so people are able to download this from the Apple Store, and then they go in, and you're you're able to take all of their information, and it's. It's legitimately, it's not necessarily a Sinatra app. It's really, you know, Joe's farm and griller. It's your app for yeah. your training, for your protocols, all individualized, however you want it. Yeah. So we have two different kinds of content. So one is called best practices. And for best practices, best practices is just like we partner with a lot of big companies from beverage distributors to food distributors to culinary companies to insurance companies, kind of A to Z, the full stack yeah. of what you would need to know as, as a, in, in terms of a knowledge base to work in the hospitality industry so that you have content out of the box, kind of like a gold standard. Right. Uh, and then we have another section of content called your content, which is where, you know, if you're a restaurateur, we have, we give you tools so that you can upload your bar menu, your cocktail menu, your steps of service, you know, your server training manual. I mean, whatever you would want, run your pre-shift through it. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really, it can be, it can be whatever tool you want it to be. There aren't any limitations. And what are the restaurants, um, that are using it? What, what are they saying about it right now? Right now? Um, uh, it's very, it's really interesting. Um, the common thread amongst most of them is actually that line I mentioned earlier, which is fine. Finally, someone's building something uh, that's built by us for us. Uh, and the common thing that a lot of these guys are, are, are really um, kind of tired of is just, just having a, a tech guy or an engineer, someone like me, just come to them and try and push them to, to hey, you, you got to use this. And I know that your problems are X, Y, and Z. When <laughs> in reality, I don't know anything about hospitality. So like full credit to Brian for filling in those gaps and people yeah. like you. And so and so for the, it, that, that's the general premise is people are finally really excited to, to be getting a, a pillar for the most important 
important part of the of the operation, which is the people, yeah. and being able to use the most cutting edge technology to 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 help those people um, work better. And and this this um, this company, this app has obviously has investors in it. Right, yeah. and so far you've raised how much money? So we did a pre-seed um, of about one point six million dollars, uh, and then we're doing another round, but I can't disclose details. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our our investor base is a mix of some uh, some local investors, some hospitality investors, and then some people in the Bay Area. Yeah, and 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 with that, really, what all that means is that you get to come, um, we get to come more to market in a bigger way. Exactly. Yeah, we you know um, we. We try to go, you know, very lean and start in market and think to ourselves, okay, like let's start testing a lot of different pieces of technology for all these categories that cause problems to restaurant tours. Yeah, you know, I mean, I remember when you came, there was the, the liquor stuff and the the slip mm-hmm. stuff, and now yeah. it's the training, the pickup. Like it was a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so what we did was we looked at a restaurant as like, okay. The restaurant has all of these different categories and silos of problems that need solutions. None of them have software. And so we started with training because that was kind of the, the hair on fire problem that the market was telling us. Right. And so we, you know, we now have like proof points that like, hey, we're solving a real problem. You know, we have over hundred staff members training on this every day. You know, we're in dozens of locations and growing. And so that's kind of been the proof point of like, okay, yeah, we've landed in market with a nice little base. And so now as we expand into insurance, we can pour a lot of lighter fluid on and, and, and go eat the rest of the industry. You know, I'm not not even shit now. <laughs> I was at a breakfast place yesterday. I'll, I'll leave the name out. Not a big deal. But I'm sitting there and I'm having breakfast. And I look over and I see the manager sitting at the bar. You know, and there must have been three huge binders just <laughs> sitting there at the bar. And I'm like, you know, this is perfect. I, we we got to we got to get you on board, buddy. Oh, it's too funny. Um, so uh, let's talk about you personally. Like, I mean, you're busy doing this. I mean, you're pretty, you know, I know. I know your work ethic. I know how hard you work. You go from you know morning to night, that sort of thing. But from morning what, to morning, morning to morning, um, and you can do that at that age, right? You, <laughs> who needs sleep at that age? I, I go to bed at eight and wake up at four, um, and I love it. That's the right way to do it. Well, I, yeah, I guess. But you know, you still got to put your time in, right? Yep. But I mean, your time's going to be multiplied pretty quick, you know, with the, all the stuff that's going on. Because I, I, I think you feel that with everything happening, um, it's happened pretty fast. Right, <laughs> you know, and Very fast. I mean, you got here 2019, and you weren't even no, really, not even yeah, you summer of 20. Okay, so you weren't even really working on Sinatra then. I mean, this is just something that no. yeah. Um, what sort of lifestyle do you lead lead outside of work? Like, what are your morals? What physically, mentally, that sort of stuff? Um, I have a very firm belief that. You know, um, I have so the jam pad mom, who's like like very very close to me, um, she has a saying, and I'm I'm gonna butcher it, but it's something along the lines of you know the way that you you show up in your personal life is the way that you show up in your professional life. Yeah, you didn't butcher it. And okay, there we go. <laughs> and so it you know I, I really believe that to be true. And so in my personal life, I try to I try to just think about like okay, what are you know if if I wanted to live a life of joy, like what's gonna bring me joy? Mm-hmm. And then and so I, I kind of ask myself and use that as a frame. And then I think, okay, well, I love to work out. I love to hike. I love to be out in the sun and be out in nature. So I love to do that kind of stuff. Um, what I learned is that, you know, I, I, I've learned a lot about myself. And one of the things that I was surprised to figure is that I actually really enjoy spending time with family. And it's funny, um, this is, you know, I have, a, I have a lovely, lovely girlfriend. And so I love spending time, for instance, with her and her family. That's cool. um, so I, I really, you know, I, I treasure, honestly, sometimes the, the most favorite part of my day is not like running around slaying dragons. It's going and 
having like I don't know eggs Benedict with my girlfriend and her mom or something That's like that. That's cool. Yeah. So I I really cherish those things of just like fitness, eating healthy, looking good, uh, feeling good, um, and and also those things feed directly back into the prep, the, the professional side, because, you know, for, for the kind of stuff that I'm dealing with every day, you need a lot of intellectual horsepower yeah. and you need to be able to process information, a lot of information very quickly in real time and then spit out decisions that are like, oh, this is a really good strategy as fast as possible. So the way I treat myself in my professional life is going to equate to, you know, my performance on the field, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And, and you're very physically active. You love calisthenics. We talked about that. Yes. I, I think you eat. I mean, right now you're fasting, but you know, <laughs> That, I mean, it's just it's it's incredible, and and I have to make an assumption too with the way that you um, talk and analyze, and you're able to, you know, kind of coordinate through conversation. Your, your spectrum of friends are from your age to all the way, like you know, I don't know, seventies. I mean, oh yeah, you're sitting there talking to people. Total. All... I mean, total. Like, and even in some cases, people younger than me. Like, honestly, someone yeah. that's really close to me is is a friend of mine. He's sixteen. Uh, he's like a close of me. He's like my little brother. That's I spend cool. time with him all the time. He's in Jampad. Um, so all the way from 16 up to, I would say like, I mean, one of our investors is I think approaching 70, 71, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, you know, like Lee at Henry. I love, I love right. spending time with Lee. Yeah. He's I think approaching 80 and you know, it's just, um, you, you don't know what you're going to learn from who. Right. And so just, just being inquisitive and gathering lots of data points from different, different, uh, from, from different silos and different places and yeah. kind of forming your own worldviews coupled with what you've experienced, I've, I've found to be very helpful. That's really cool. Well, that being said, a few questions. Oh, I was going to ask you, what are you going to do for your 21st birthday? Oh, you know, I... <laughs> I have a lot of uh, I have I have a lot of offers from many different people for things to do. So I'm gonna decide. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I have a feeling it might be in Italy. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That doesn't sound too bad. No. Um, that's too funny. All right. I got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sesame Street or Barney? Sesame Street. Wow. Um, would you rather um, travel or work? Work. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me. Uh, that's awesome. Snakes or frogs? Snakes. Okay. Uh, take out or dine in? Dine in. Ooh, well, it depends, actually. It really depends on the mood. Yeah. also depends on where you are. Like, uh, I would kill to have, like, some New York City takeout Chinese. Uh, but, like, here, I would kill to, like, go and sit down at, I don't know, Mountain Shadows or something like that. Yeah, Mountain Shadows. Yeah, cool. Something like that. You know, I mean, it's just fun. So, it yeah. depends. That's awesome. Uh, pasta or steak? Steak. Protein. E <laughs> EDM or heavy metal? EDM. Adam invited me to some EDM show. He's like, dude, you know EDM? I'm like, dude, I'm in bed before EDM even like, I, I'm I'm on planet, you know, Pluto in my dreams. Oh my God, it's funny. Um, would you rather talk to people or be programming computer shit? Talk to people. Okay. Uh, White Claw or Truly? Neither. I don't drink. A good boy. Uh, Ice tea. Dinosaurs or space aliens? Space aliens. Yeah, I got to play the space aliens. <laughs> All right, very cool. So where can people find info about Sinatra, find you, Jam Pet, any of this stuff? Like, what are some of your handles? Yeah, so uh, for Sinatra, uh, it's Sinatra.ai, and it's spelled as, you know, S-I-N-A-T-R-A, just like Frank Sinatra, the singer. Um, you know, we're on LinkedIn primarily. I'm on only LinkedIn. Uh, I don't like to use social media. I think it's a vice. I think it's a distraction. Uh, I also personally believe that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's higher signal for someone to be able to just Google you and all your press pops up there because 
you can't you can't just get someone in like in the Wall Street Journal to write an article about you. Like yeah. you can just create an Instagram account. So though. just Google this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just different. Um, I, I I just don't like social media a lot. And then Jampad is Jampad.org. Um, yeah, that, that's it. This is awesome, dude. Thanks for hanging out with me again today. Yeah, always always super fun. Lots of fun. Everybody, thank you for listening. If you uh, enjoyed this or some of my other podcasts, please share. Please like. Uh, give me a five star. That'd be awesome. It helps with the, the I don't know, listenership and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, follow me at I Am The D-Lo and check out the YouTube at uh, I Am The D-Lo. Best insurance broker in America. He's too kind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, you know, we do what we do. All right, man. T- take care and peace out.